Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. All right, well, good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Everybody doing well? Good, it's great. I'm, thank you for the five of you who said good morning. That's great. Um, so I missed you last week. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I wasn't here. So um, missed you. I was uh, away. I was in Kansas City getting tortured by some professors who uh, have an uncanny way to make sure that that thing called humility is a part of your life. My wife and kiddos got to drive up to Kansas City with me. I'm working on school, and, and I was getting tortured in class while they got to go have a bunch of fun and all that kind of stuff. They got to go to the zoo and all kinds of good stuff while I was in class. Can you imagine that? I was telling somebody this morning, and they said, you know, that's just the role of the dad. You got to suffer so everybody else gets to have fun. Well, I want you to know, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be back, because we have a fun topic to discuss and I think it's probably everybody's favorite topic to discuss. You know what we're talking about? Exercise. You thought I was going to say serving, but I didn't. I said exercise. Today we're going to talk about exercise, and we all love to talk about that, right? Yeah, some of us love to do it, some don't. But I think at the end of the day, we all know that we're supposed to do it. Okay, now I wouldn't commend Wikipedia for everything, so don't hear me say that it's a credible source for everything. But when I was Googling in, you know, the Google, I typed in exercise and Wikipedia showed up first. And here's what Wikipedia says of exercise. You ready? Here's what Wikipedia says. Exercise is a body activity that enhances or maintains physical fitness and overall health and wellness. It is performed for various reasons, to aid growth and improve strength, develop muscles in the cardiovascular system, hone athletic skills for all of my weekend warrior dads, that's right, weight loss or maintenance, improve health, or simply for enjoyment. And yes, there are those sick people who exercise for enjoyment. Those people do exist. Now, before we dive into that, you know, you may recall that we're walking through our discipleship pathway, right? So we've been talking about the importance of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And what we've said is that you will experience great purpose, meaning, and value in your life when you submit your life to Jesus, right? You submit your life to him, and you give your life to following him. And this is our discipleship pathway and what it looks like step by step for you to follow Jesus. Now, you may recall from week number one, we talked about that it all begins with what? This is your test. What does it begin with? Lane, you got it. It begins with Jesus. It begins with starting a relationship with Jesus. In fact, if you do not get that right, if you do not connect with Jesus in a relationship with him, all the rest of this stuff doesn't really matter because it all begins with him. Starting a relationship with Jesus. If you've never done that, I would love to, to walk you through how you can start a relationship with Jesus and begin your pathway on the discipleship pathway, okay? So that, it begins with Jesus. Then we talked about the importance of committing to a people 
right? Not just to any people, but committing to a people with like values and a like mission. And we're going to commit to that mission together to see it come to fruition as a body. So we've talked about church membership, right? Of committing to a people, committing to a mission. And then from there, we talked about the next step being growing in your love for God. You may recall that Jesus says the greatest commandment is that we would love God with all of our, all of our, all of our mind. Yes, we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love him with all that we are and all that we have. Absolutely. And so we want to put ourselves in a place to do that. For us, that looks like Sunday school. And so I would invite each and every one of you to take that next step and join the Sunday school class. If you haven't already done that, you can walk right out these doors after this service, talk with somebody about how to get plugged in and start growing in your knowledge and your love for God. But also, I would challenge you to spend at least 10 minutes in the Word every day. You spend 10 minutes in the Word every day, and you call me back after a month and tell me that your life hasn't been changed. 10 minutes a day, in the Word, every day. You want to grow in your knowledge and love for God? Well, you got to get to know Him. And the way you get to know Him is right here. And I promise you, you're going to like what you see. Okay, so you grow in your knowledge and your love for God. And then last week, Matt talked about the the truth that we need to grow in our love for people, which is tough, right? We all know those difficult people. If you don't know those difficult people, it's because you're the difficult people, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right? We're to love people, and so we need to put our pla- our, ourselves in places where we can grow in our love for people. Another great way to do that is Sunday school, right? It makes a big church smaller. Big church smaller in Sunday school, you can start learning how to live out the one another's that you may have read about in the Bible, where we love one another, we care about one another, we serve one another, we do all those things with one another, right? We need to love people. Now, In that definition I gave you a minute ago, you may have recalled that it said something like this, that exercise is an activity that we take part in for the purpose of growing and strengthening our muscles for long-term health. And so in the same way, what I want you to see this morning is that our purpose is strengthened as we give our lives to serving God's kingdom in accordance with his gifting in us. Okay, so our purpose is strengthened as we give our lives to serving God's kingdom that is congruent with the gifting that he has given in us, to us. So, again, what we're talking about here is that if you've begun a relationship with Jesus, then what the Bible says is that Jesus has taken up residence in your life. It's not a distant reality, that's a near reality via his spirit. So he has given his spirit to you And by nature of him giving his spirit to you, you have been blessed with a gift or gifts. And those are not to be left on the shelf, hidden up in the closet, but rather they are to be exercised. And when we exercise that gift, guess what happens? You are blessed and we are blessed. So that's what we're talking about this morning. So if you have a Bible, I hope you do. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be in Mark 10 this morning. We're also going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. But we're going to start in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. At this point in Jesus' ministry, um, he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's preparing for that. And two of his disciples, in other words, two of his knuckleheads, 
come to him and they make a very bold request. Here's what they say in verse 35. Pick up with me there. This is James and John, brothers, sons of Zebedee. They came up to him, speaking of Jesus, and here's what they said. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. See why I called them knuckleheads? Can you imagine asking Jesus that? Hey, Jesus, you know, we've been doing this for a while. So here's the deal. I want you to do for me whatever it is that I want you to do for me. But notice how Jesus responds. He, he responds there. He says this. Jesus says, well, what is it that you want me to do for you? And here's what they said to him. Well, we want you to grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand, in glory. That's a pretty bold request. We want you to do whatever that we want you to do. And then when Jesus asked him, well, what is that? He said, well, I want to sit at your right hand and I want to sit at your left hand. But then notice again how Jesus responds back to them. Because what he's going to do is he's going to, in like fashion, kind of turn the tables on them and kind of flip the script a little bit. And here's here's what Jesus says. He says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they lord their authority. They lord their power over them. But he said, it shall not be so among you. Talking about his followers. With his followers, that should not, that's not acceptable. That's what Jesus is saying. But whoever would be great among you must first be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, I don't know about you, but when I read the New Testament, I always find that the disciples give me a lot of hope. Y'all, can y'all relate to that? They give me a lot of hope, right? Because interestingly enough, in the near ancient East, people were not so different than we are today. They really aren't. They're, they're dealing with kind of the same old stuff. As a matter of fact, the disciples were, 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 were hungry for power. They were hungry for fame. They were hungry for authority. They wanted to sit at Jesus' right hand and at Jesus' left hand. And you know what? They thought that they deserved that. To the point that they felt so bold to ask Jesus to do that. But what we see is that Jesus turns the table, so to speak. He, he kind of flips the script on him and he says, hey, hey, if you want to follow me, then you need to become like me. And to become like me means that you're not so concerned about you, but you're concerned about others to the point where you become a servant, As a matter of fact, Jesus transforms what we see as power and fame and authority. And he says, you know what true power is? You know what true fame is? You know what true authority is? It comes not from lording it over others, but rather it becomes as you give your life to serving other people. It's in becoming a servant where you truly find purpose, meaning, and value. And so the invitation this morning, the invitation for you and for me is to follow Jesus, is to follow Jesus as he serves us, as he serves the world, as he serves people. And so the calling on our lives, when we start talking about being a, uh, is taking this next step of, of serve, is that we would have the mindset of a servant, that we would take on the heart of a servant. And again, as I just mentioned, that when we do that, we experience great purpose, meaning, and value from our life. 
Now here's something pretty cool. So I stumbled on this article the other day from Psychology Today. Why I was reading that, I have no idea, but it, it, it was there, it was a news deal. Anyway, I don't need to take you down that rabbit trail. But I found this article and I started reading it. And here's what this article says. This article argues that, that the fact that when we give our lives to the service of others, that we find purpose, meaning, and value is universally true. Here's what the article says. So, Psychology Today. Studies indicate that opportunities to serve others, whether in civic, private, or professional settings, as well as charitable giving, result in a stronger sense of purpose, meaning in life, leading to better mental and physical well-being. I love when science catches up to the Bible. See, if this is true for all people, how much more so is it true for Christians? What do you think about that? If this is a universally true principle that, that giving your life to others, so rather than hoarding your life for yourself, serving yourself, if that's true, if, if purpose, meaning, and value come from that, and that's universally true, that's a principle that's true for every person, then how much more so is that true for you and for me who consider ourselves Christians? Wow, it's pretty cool. Now, the question then is, okay, Logan, well, that's great, but, but how? How do we go about serving? What does that really look like? Well, Thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us to our own devices. In fact, in John chapter 14, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says that if you've placed your faith and your trust in him, right, you've chosen to hop on this pathway, you've begun a relationship with him, you've connected with him, then he says in John chapter 14, this is really, really cool, that he has taken up residence in your life. Think on that. The God of the universe his very own son has taken up residence in your life via his presence, his Holy Spirit. And by nature of that, he has given you a gift to serve. So not only has he said, hey, you're designed for this, but I'm also gonna gift you for it. Gift you for it. Now, Jesus doesn't identify the gifts. He doesn't, he, he doesn't help us uh, determine what those are, but thankfully, Paul does. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to turn over there, you can. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what Paul writes of the gifts. This is really great. In verse 1, Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, meaning I, I want you to be aware of what the spiritual gifts are. And then in verse 4, he begins to outline what those gifts are. And here's what he says. He says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
So there's a couple of things that I want you to see from what Paul's writing here. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is that every Christian is blessed with a gift or gifts. Okay, so that's point number one. Don't miss that. Every Christian, if you've placed your faith and trust in him, you've started that relationship, you, whether you realize it or not, have been given a gift or gifts. Now, it's important to understand that these gifts cannot be earned. They can't be willed into existence, but rather they are a gift. You can't earn a gift, right? They're a gift. It is a varied gift of God's grace. It's a varied gift of God's grace. Matter of fact, in verse 11, Paul says that. He said, all of these, speaking of the gifts, are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one, speaking of Christians, individually as God wills, as He wills. And so our spiritual gifts are a divine gift of God's grace to you. And so so it is that it's God's grace to save you, and it's God's grace to gift you. And so whether you realize it or not, you have been given a unique gift, a unique gift. Every Christian has one or has a couple. Number two, there are varieties of gifts, but there is no hierarchical nature to the gifts. So everyone's got them, got one, and there are a variety of gifts, but there's no hierarchical nature. In verse four, Paul says this, He says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So again, let me be clear. What we're saying here is that every one of us who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus has been given a gift via the Holy Spirit. And so again, whether we realize it or not, you have been given this gift and it is God's design in you, number one, to be a servant, but number two, that you would use that gift, okay? Now, verse 27, if you just kind of flip your eyes over to the, to the, the second part of the page here, you're gonna see as Paul identifies even to greater clarity what these gifts are. So in verse 27, here's what he says. There's about 13 different gifts that we're gonna see. Here they are. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And so that's kind of a great big banner. Now out of that big banner, we as the church have identified about 13 different gifts from Paul's Uh, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so I want to walk you through some of those, okay? So number one, the gift of administration. People with the gift of administration, they like to lead, they like to organize, and they like to delegate to others. All right, that's those who have that gift of administration, right? They like to see the big vision of things. They like to get people together and organize them in in a fashion as to execute that vision. So if you have the gift of administration, that would be what describes you. A gift of apostleship. 
These are the folks who kind of have that entrepreneurial sense about them, right? They love to start new things. Oftentimes, they like to start new things where nobody else would ever go. You might think in the church of church planters, of missionaries, uh, of people who would say, I, I love to, to start something out of nothing and make it, make it happen, right? Those are the folks who might have the gift of apostleship. Then those are those who have the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment typically shows up in an unusual ability to see through a lot of confusion and problems, right? They're great at bringing a solution out of kind of chaos and confusion, right? They tend to listen well and provide profound wisdom in the conversation. That's a person with the gift of discernment. Those with the gift of evangelism. Man, maybe you know some of these folks. I've got a friend who just has a unique gift of evangelism. It just seems like for these folks that um, no matter what conversation they're in, they can weave the gospel into that conversation. And, and crazy enough, something happens on the other end of that, and, and almost always it seems like somebody comes to know Jesus through it. I don't have that gift. I wish I did because that'd be pretty awesome. But there are certainly people who have the gift of evangelism. That just, it's just natural for them to weave the gospel into every conversation that they have, no matter where they are, whether they're at Walmart or at work or in their neighborhood or wherever they are. It's pretty incredible. Then there's those who have the gift of encouragement. And they just have a supernatural way of just making people feel loved, encouraged, and blessed. Maybe you know those people who are just so happy all the time and you think, why are you so happy all the time? You know those people? Yeah? That's, those are the folks who have the gift of encouragement. They're friendly. They're understanding. They're very practical. They love to encourage folks and to give advice. Those are good people to have in your life, aren't they? Yeah, we, we need some of those. Then there's those with the gift of faith. Those with the gift of faith have a kind of uncanny way of no matter how dark the world seems to be, no matter if the walls are caving in or how hopeless it seems, they just seem to have a lot of great faith. Great faith that God is with them, that God is going to, to, to work a miracle or do something incredible, right? They just have a lot of faith. They are often in challenging those around them to, to have great faith as well, to be a person of great faith, right? That's, that's somebody who has the gift of faith. Then there's those with the gift of leadership. Typically, they have a great amount of influence, right? The Lord has blessed them with this gift, and it usually shows up in their ability to discern goals, right? Set goals, uh, influence people to accomplish and execute those goals. That's typically the, the one who has the gift of leadership. Then there's those that, with the gift of mercy. Maybe you've heard this phrase, they have a bleeding heart, Right? They're just, they're quick to serve. They're, they're quick to, to help people in need. Um, they're often looking for people who, have, who are kind of down and out, and, and they just have a beautiful way of, of really helping people and caring for people who many just wouldn't, who would just kind of walk by, as we talked about with the, uh, the, the story of the Samaritan last week, right? Those are the people with the gift of mercy. Then there's those with the gift of prophecy. Now, understand that Prophecy can be a uh, controversial topic, but, but here's what, what I think when we're talking about prophecy. Someone with the gift of prophecy, they're typically motivated by a strong sense of God's truth, regardless of what anyone thinks. Oftentimes can be loud about God's truth and very abrupt about God's truth, right? That's kind of the person with, with the gift of prophecy. They're quick to stand up. They're quick to reprove, rebuke, and exhort others in truth. Those are the folks who typically have a gift of prophecy. 
in a similar nature, those with the gift of teaching. So those with the the gift of prophecy love to stand up and declare truth. Those with the gift of teaching have a tendency tendency to like to explain truth. See, there's kind of a difference there, right? Sometimes they go hand in hand, but uh, the one who is the, 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 the prophet, so to speak, is the one who loves to stand up, declare truth, exhort, rebuke, reprove people. The one who is the gift of teaching loves to study. They spend a lot of time reading. They enjoy uh, getting away and reading and studying and all of those things because they enjoy explaining how the truth got where it is, so to speak. Then there's the gift of serving. There's those who just enjoy doing ministry, caring for others, and serving behind the scenes. This group is an amazing group of people. They're flexible, they're quick to volunteer their time, and they're oftentimes seen doing things that nobody else wants to do. They're just an incredible group of folks who love to serve, who don't usually need acknowledgement for their serving. They're just quick to show up and to serve. First one's there, last one's to leave kind of folks. Then there's the gift of healing and miracles, right? The gift is taught in the New Testament is not gifting given to an individual, so to speak. I don't think that that's the case. But rather, it is a supernatural way that God shows up and uses individuals in a matter of faith that leads to the miraculous, maybe healing or some sort of of, of miracle, right? So, so what we're talking about here is, is let's say that one of you are sick and, and let's just say a team of folks showed up to the hospital to care for you, that if it's God's divine will, he can, if he so chooses, to use those people in a matter of prayer and a matter of faith to heal that person. But at the end of the day, it's God who heals, not a person who heals. It's God who's in control of those things, Right? Yeah, now there's the gift of tongues, which you've all been waiting for. It's like, what is Logan gonna say about tongues? Well, I'm gonna disappoint you because I'm not. Ha, how about that? So there's the gift of tongues, right? Now, there are tons of different arguments and perspectives and all these things on the gift of tongues. Some say it was languages. Some say it's a prayer language. We have a varied amount of interpretations over what that is. Okay, some say that they're still around. Others say that they aren't. I'm gonna leave that up to you and that's between you and God. You go figure that out in the word uh, because that's not the point. The point here that I want you to see is number one, that you've been given a gift and that God has designed you to serve and that God has uniquely wired you to serve his body with that gift. And then with the understanding that there is no hierarchical nature in those gifts. And I think when it comes to the gifts sometimes where we fail one another, honestly, is when we make a hierarchical nature, a list of, you know, well, they've got the gift of teaching, so obviously they're better than the gift of serving or the gift of mercy. But here's the deal, guys. The reality is, is that we need them all. Paul would later, he would go on to say that, that we need the hand just like we need the ear just like we need the eye, just like we need a brain, just like we need a big toe. Have you ever imagined trying to, to run without a big toe? I'm serious. That's tough. We need a big toe, right? We need everybody. And so there's a varied amount of gifts, but they're all necessary. They're all valuable, and they're all needed for the body. We need them. And that leads me to point number three. Point number three is that the gifts have a specific purpose. 
They have a specific purpose. In fact, in verse four, here's what Paul says. He says again, there, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And here it is, notice this. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit, here you go, for the common good. For the common good. And so the purpose of each of these gifts is first that they would be used for service and activity, not that we would sit on them, put them up in a closet to collect dust. They're given to you so that you would exercise them. Your gift is not to be like the treadmill that's sitting in your room that's collecting all kinds of clothes. You know what I'm talking about right? Your gift should not be like the Bowflex that's sitting in my garage right now under about an inch of dust and dirt. You have been uniquely designed for other people to serve them, but then you've been equipped to do that. And your gift should never be sitting in a closet or in a garage collecting dust, but it should be exercised because here's the deal. When you do not exercise your gift, the body, the church, is hemorrhaging. You are hemorrhaging the church when you are living out of obedience to use that gift. Here's the other thing. You're hurting yourself. See, when you use that gift, I remember this was awesome. The, the, my former church, I got to spend some time with the senior pastor and we went to breakfast and, and we were chatting. And he said, hey, Logan, what do you think God's calling you to do? What do you think your gift is? And at that point, I'm going, man, I have no idea. Why don't you tell me? You know, and, uh, and he says, you know, you're gonna know your gift. You're gonna know what you're uniquely gifted at when you do it and you feel the joy of the Lord. You know what I'm talking about there? For those of you who are exercising your gift and you're walking in it obediently, there's just a sense of the joy of the Lord. You know, and I'll tell you, uh, before I started preaching, I, by the way, I am terrified of public speaking. Like, I mean, terrified of it. And I remember when God called me to the ministry, I was like, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, but I am not. I will never get up in front of people. God has a sense of humor. If you don't know that, then you're not following him. I'm telling you, he's got a sense of humor. If you say you're not gonna do it, you're gonna do it at some point, I promise you. Right, and I remember him saying that at breakfast, and then I remember the first time that I got to preach, and y'all, I was terrified. I would have, I could have died that day. Oh, my Lord. But I got up there and I did it. And y'all, I felt just the joy of the Lord. And it was incredible, it was insatiable, and, and, and it was right then and there that I knew that this is what God was calling me to do. This is what he wanted me to do, was to get up and to lead people through the preaching of God's word. You're gonna experience the joy of the Lord, and as you experience the joy of the Lord, as he's empowering and he's working in and through you, you become a blessing to others. And so no matter what it is that is your gift, God's gonna use that in a big way to bless his church, to, 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 to grow the church, to strengthen the church. It's incredible to be used by him, right? And so Paul makes it clear that the goal of our gifts is not necessarily for us, although there is a unique blessing that comes from that, but it's for the common good, the common good of the kingdom 
to the ends of the earth. And so here's what I want to do. I want to conclude our time together by looking at the pathway. You know, if you've ever studied Dave Ramsey, he's got the seven baby steps to financial freedom. Well, I've got the eight steps to following Jesus, okay? So we got eight steps. I know it's kind of confusing because it's only four right here, but these break down into two different ones, right? And so step number one, we've talked about this, so we're going to talk about it over and over and over and over again until you're blue in the face, Tom, blue in the face talking about it. But you've got to know and understand that the first step is to connect with a relationship with Jesus. You've got to do that, okay? Again, if you don't do that, none of of that stuff matters. So connect with Jesus. Connect with his family. Connect with his people. Man, I I would encourage you to to join us in in membership. Commit to a people. It's, it's, It's time to quit test driving the car. At a certain point, you just, you got to put your money where your mouth is, right? You got to buy the car and drive it off the lot. At a certain point, you got to commit, and you commit to a people and a mission, okay? From there, I want you to grow in your knowledge and your love for God. You can do that best by joining a Sunday school. That's your first step. Remember, get 10 minutes in the Word each and every day. Make a big, big church smaller, okay? Put yourself in places to love people. Love people. Go outside of your way. Be willing to be inconvenienced for other people when you see them. Help them. Don't keep driving by, right? Slow down. Slow your life down. By the way, it'd be great for all of us just to take a deep breath and just slow our life down. Just slow our life down so that we can see people and see their need so that we can obediently step in and meet that need, right? Yeah, so we're going to love people. But then lastly, step number five is start serving Start serving. Maybe you're like, well, Logan, I don't know what my gift is. Well, you're not going to know until you start serving, right? The best way for you to determine what your gift is, is for you just to show up and start doing something that you're passionate about, okay? So I want you to start serving because here's what ends up happening. Almost always, this is what happens. Somebody goes, wow, hey, you know what? I noticed something in you. I noticed you're gifting. Man, you can really, you're a great teacher, Gosh, you are, man, you are filled with God's mercy. Man, has anybody ever told you that you've got the gift of evangelism? That's what happens. People around you start affirming those gifts in you. And as you do that, you begin to grow in your gift. It's pretty incredible. There's another way that you can do that by uh, just discovering your gifts through a spiritual gift inventory. And we can hook you up with one of those. As a matter of fact, if you go out of Connection Central today, I can help you find a spiritual gift inventory where you can discern and discover your gift and, and how you're uniquely wired to serve. But what I want you to do is I want you to get off the bench. I love you, okay? I love you. I want you to get off the bench and I want you to start serving. You got to get in the game. Every one of us in this room, that's the expectation of you, okay? Now, now you may not be able to do a strong, hard activity, but you know what? You can write notes. You could, you could send somebody a note, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I just want you to know I care for you, right? You, there's a, you can get on the phone call and you can call the body and you can, you can be an encouragement, right? You may not be able to lift a bunch of stuff, you may not be able to teach, but there is something that God has gifted you to do, and we need you. And so I'm going to make it as easy as I can for you. Here in just a second, you're going to love this. Here in just a second, you're going to get a text message. You're going to get a text message, and in that text message, you're going to get a link. 
And in that link, you can just go on there and you click that link and here's what it's gonna do. It's gonna take you to a website. Don't worry, it's safe. I'm not stealing your information, right? Click that link, it'll be fine. It's gonna take you to a website and it's gonna have a laundry list of all the ways that you can serve in this church. And you can click on one of those things and it's gonna, you just keep following along, all along. And what you'll do is you'll hit submit at the end and that is gonna go to us. And then all of our ministers have been working really, really hard to come up with all these different ways that you can serve and you can bless the body. And here's what's gonna happen. All those notes are gonna go to them and then they're gonna reach out to you and get you involved in serving in our church. Understand that the expectation is that we're all on this pathway. We all know Jesus. We're all committed to him and to his mission for us. We're growing in our love for God. We're growing in our love for people. We are serving his body with his particular gift that he has given to us. And so it's gonna be awesome as we come together and we serve the body. Guess what we're gonna talk about next week? Next week, we're gonna talk about how we serve uh, the community. Did you know that we have a, 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 I think, invaluable place in our community? As a matter of fact, it's my belief that if something were to ever happen to First Baptist Belt and the people of First Baptist Belt, and, and let's just say we were, we just were taken off the map, we just disappeared. Maybe it was the rapture, I don't know. I want our community to go, how in the world are we gonna survive without those people? Right, that's, that's the bar that we're gonna set. That's the bar that we're gonna set. And, and, and you know what? What I've always been told is if you set the bar high, we'll go get the bar. If you set the bar low, this is where we're gonna stay. But we're gonna set high bars. It's the expectation of all of us that we are a part of this discipleship pathway, okay? All right, let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for you and thankful for your grace to save us, to invite us on this pathway. Wow, how thankful that we are that you have seen us, you've known us, you love us. And God, you have invited us into a relationship with you. But not only that, but also to serve this body, to serve this community. And God, you have given each of us gifts to do that. So Lord, help us to not to sit on those gifts, but rather to step into them, to live in obedience to them and to follow you. Oh, Father, we need you. And so we ask God that you would help us to take a step of faith in obedience to you. And Lord, I pray that we have experienced great purpose, meaning and fulfillment as we do that, as we continue on the path to purpose. Father, we love you, we're thankful for you, and it's in your sweet name that we pray, amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.